Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. everybody uh welcome back to podside as i don't know not always but sometimes it feels that way you're stuck with pete uh of course we have carlo with us and we have a special guest uh tiffany is it murray i really should have asked that two minutes ago <laughs> uh it should be murray but we say Moret. Uh, Moret it is, and we're going to be talking to her about a, uh, a flood of posies and uh the body of her work in general uh tiffany how are you I'm good. How are you guys? Good. I'm doing all right. Oh, you know what, though? I am going to... Good man. Elevate this a little bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Hi, Tiffany. Um, it's been a while since we've talked. Yes, uh, or it at has least been. Face-to-face, at least. Um, do you want to talk a little bit? Do you want, do you want to get into where we... Uh, where we initially uh talk to each other for the first time yeah certainly um you and i met at futurescapes in utah in 2018 yes um and i very distinctly remember being at a workshop table with you and you talking about one of your novels you were working on and it to this day i still remember it it sounded like the coolest damn (laughs) novel on the planet it was like going into the underworld and looking for their father or something like that yeah, it also involved Lucha Libre, so... Yeah, you know. yeah. I was super um, excited about that. And that always I, stuck out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to work, start working on that again uh, at some point. Someday, someday. Yeah, one of these days. One of these days. Um, yeah, so... Uh, and and for those people who don't know what Futurescapes is, it's a, a week workshop. Um, actually, it's four days, I'm sorry. Uh, it, I, I ended up staying in town for a week, and it's. Uh, I think we ended up uh, snagging the last time that Futurescapes was held at Sundance. I think um, so. It wasn't there after that. Yeah, like they they broke off and and had different campuses in in Utah handle it, and um, I have to admit that uh, I. It, if there's one time that I am glad that I took a workshop that was sort of I didn't know whether I wanted to go or not, the experience itself of being at Sundance is pretty remarkable. It was great. Um, I if you can if you can hang out there. Also, Utah is like amazingly beautiful for a place I'd never visited. I was like really wowed by that. But um, but yeah, so uh, it's a workshop. Uh, generally speaking, it's for um, sort of a beginning or you know getting getting their foot in the door. Uh, people who are writing novels of some sort or another uh, that could be novellas. Um, and generally speaking, you get a chance to talk to a variety of different uh, agents, a variety of different uh, established um, science fiction writers. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm missing somebody, right? Uh, editors from yeah. from publications. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Which was uh, which is. I mean, all of it was great. Uh, I just have not <laughs> produced a novel that anyone that I've met there had, I've bothered that, that I've I've been able to bother anyone with. You know. So. <laughs> but uh, Tiffany, w- let me ask you this: Was uh, Flood of Posies? Uh, one of the novels that you brought to Futurescapes? It wasn't actually. Um, by that point, I had kind of queried it to death and was done talking about it. Um, and so I actually brought something that was a really new work in progress that I've also since uh, sold and will be a novella. 
Mm -hmm. And I actually credit Futurescapes for a lot of things. For one, I met so many of my writer friends there. I can't even, like, I, I brought back with me so many friends. It was the best conference I ever attended just for that reason. And, um, but I also, when I was workshopping that novel that I had taken there, uh, I had mentioned something offhand in one of my comments about it when they were kind of workshopping it. And somebody said, oh, gosh, what were they talking about? This isn't even about flood opposes, actually. Sorry. But oh. <laughs> they brought up the idea of sirens, and that kind of totally altered how I was going to write that that other thing I had brought there. And hmm. I think I can totally credit that one comment for actually making that a solid piece of work that I could eventually sell. So Futurescapes was an amazing experience for me, top to bottom. I loved it. Excellent. So yeah. I have a question about your writing in general, and it's one of those those sort of smart, stupid questions you ask when you're not a writer and don't really know what you're talking about, but still analyze. <laughs> so from what I've pieced together from F Flood of Posies and the short stories that I've read of yours, you seem to do uh, a lot of uh, – well, it's it's like – dark fairy tales in a modern setting is that is that where you're try where you go with a lot of your work or how would you characterize what you do uh dark fairy tales really works well um i can't really tell you why i'm obsessed with that but i love monsters and i love a good monster story and i also love super deep like character dives into people's heads why they think what they think why they do what they do um so it, you know, I don't know if that always translates to every reader liking that because we're going to spend a lot of time in their heads. Uh, but <laughs> I just like the idea of of hmm. Yeah, I lost my train of thought there. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I was afraid we lost you for a second. So I mean, you're, you're allowed to drift off. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I got in my own head and I forgot what I was saying. So anyway, I like monsters. That's kind of the gist. Cool. Uh, well, let's let's pretend for a second that you've got I don't know some dope that's interviewing you, just for example, and you really want them to get up to speed on your writing and have a good understanding of where you're coming from. Like, what's what's the what's the select list of what they should read through, with the understanding that I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, that terrifies me. Um... <laughs> I would say if you wanted to get a very brief, quick idea of what a lot of my work is like, my short story, the only one that you have to pay to read, of course, um, Lu uh, Lulu Laguna in Shoreline of Infinity is a really good jumping off place. And that's on your website, right? It is on my website, but you have to buy the issue to read it, so... I think the only reason I didn't buy it today is because it was not in American currency, and I, I just I just had this visual of me me hawking my house for the short story. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's um, uh, it's a UK uh, okay magazine. Well, that's not so bad. <laughs> so, were you always interested in monsters? Uh, I would say so. Yes. I, <laughs> one of my first favorite movies that I can remember, uh, was Jaws. And yes. I, to this day, it's probably one of my top movies. I just, I love sharks. I love scary movies. And, uh, and I know I was very young because it was before my brother was born and I was six when he was born and I was watching Jaws for a couple of years before that. So that's a something I like to throw back in my parents' face. <laughs> like oh, I was wow. four, but uh, you know you're throwing on Jaws for fun. <laughs> but yes, I I've always loved monsters, monster stories. Um, I'm a big horror movie fan. Uh, always have been. I I just like that stuff. It's fascinating to me, and it's also fascinating how it relates back to really all the monsters. It's all psychology. You know, these monsters are based on you know, what we fear and what we think. And so to get an idea of what a person's going through, a monster is a really excellent way to translate that. And I think that's maybe why it fascinates me so much. There's a thing that ha happens in a lot of 
monster movies and horror movies. And that is the it, it becomes sort of like Jehovah Old Old Testament stuff where people die on the basis of their perceived crimes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Whoop, whoop, uh, sex out of wedlock. He's smoking pot. Take yeah. him down. And I, I'm just wondering, do you uh, do you think that's something that's going away? Like, are are we moving away from that sort of horror as a, as the culture doesn't agree on what's good or bad, or do you think that's going to be sort of an ongoing foundational piece of what's going on in film? Um, that's like. Wow, I feel like that's a question way above my pre grade. Oh, but, I, <laughs> um, I would just say, pretend I'm high. It's okay. <laughs> God, well, that would have helped me a lot in this interview. I didn't even think about it. I would have been real wise, real quick, fellas. Like, let me tell you. Um, but uh, I don't think that's if we're talking about things in a strictly Christian light. Yeah, we may see fewer very like anglo christian angles but i don't think that'll ever go away you know that's i know that's kind of the basis of a lot of my monsters is dealing with your own personal demons and how they can destroy you and frankly one person's personal demons are are very relatable to other people even if you know the nuance changes the details change so i don't know i i I don't see anything like that kind of structure going in away going away anytime soon. I do see it changing though to a broader lens, which I think will just only benefit everybody. Yeah, I honestly I think that the 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 shift that I'm seeing recently is not so much the the you know who deserves punishment in a horror narrative, right? Um you know, it's usually someone who is uh, breaking the rules in some way. I think that the the difference here is who you know what what faces or what marginalized identities are to, are now being used to blame, and I think that's going away, which is good. I mean, yeah. to be honest with you, like you know, because I think deep down, um, some of these fairy tales and, and cautionary tales, which became you know more horrific. Um, generally are about, you know, how do you live in a society and how do you sort of convince people to participate and not break the rules? Right. I feel like that's just religion in a nutshell. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's, it, I think that that's a, a very sort of pragmatic, um, view of it, uh, you know, Faith aside, I'm just saying the social structure of it is exactly that. It's like, you know, these are our rules and, you know, you got to abide by them. And you know what? Oops, we ran into the first person who broke rules. So we got to invent a, a, you know, a monster outside of those rules that if you stray out of the firelight, he's going to get you. Yeah. Can I, can I go a weird place for a second with this? Go for it. Okay, well, my, my wife is from the Philippines and infinitely smarter than me. But when I when we go out there to visit, one of the things I always like to pick up on is the urge urban legends. Because parts of the Philippines went from uh, just straight-up backbreaking agriculture to call centers over the course of a generation or a generation and a half. And so the, the stories they tell – and the, the, the things they believe as urban legends are fascinating to me. Like there's a, there's a particular, uh, uh, what would you call it, department store owned by one of the six rich families in the Philippines. And people believe, and I'm not saying they just tell this, a lot of them believe it. They believe if you get completely naked in the changing room, a chute opens up and you go down into the basement and the daughter of the owner is under there. And that daughter is a huge python that will eat you. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what a story. I yeah. Guess. That is phenomenal. I love well, it. And I, I asked a friend of mine and like the, this friend can outthink me back and forwards. And I'm like, do you think this is true? And he looked at me and he looks down and he's like, I don't think it's not true. And I'm like, <laughs> we have different maps. And that is so cool. Yeah. I, I love, I'm with you. I love urban legends. I mean, just, I don't know. I, you just got to appreciate 
phenomenal story like that and the way it connects people. You know, look at all those people that went, absolutely, yes, the Python daughter is down there. Yeah. And like, just, just look at that. It's so phenomenal. Like, well, that, and what a rad story, too. I can't that, believe that. That that's is amazing. kick-ass. Well, also, like, so is she adopted? Is the Python daughter adopted or – um, my, I, I have asked a number of questions about this and bear in mind that people don't want to talk about it. So the answers I've gotten are from drunk people. Um, <laughs> my understanding is that, uh, well, part of this is, uh, is, uh, anti-Chinese, uh, prejudice okay. and, uh, the, the family did some sort of ritual and this daughter was a twin, and this daughter is like a luck snake. And so long as they keep feeding her the bodies of the poor, they'll be wealthy. And, and, and naked. Yes, yes, Apparently. and naked. <laughs> like, important. will not eat clothes. <laughs> no clothes. No, well, that, that's the thing. No clothes, probably because that would affect the bottom line. Imagine if, you know, like, they're pulling off their clothes that they're trying on. <laughs> Yeah, how do you how do you account for slippage in that fashion? You know, like Python daughter digestion. You know, like uh, it's just it, it, no. Yeah, just train well, her not to eat her anyone with clothes on. And I so, think there's three things going on there because obviously I've thought about this a lot. One is the the prejudice. Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. How could you not? But in addition to the preju- prejudice, there's some sort of class discussion on here because like they're they're eating poor people. And the the what was the third one? I can't lose the third one. This sucks. Oh, modesty. Right, uh, right. Yeah. You, yeah. You're not supposed to get naked in public. So is the is the store supposed to be marketed to poor people? Um, no, not really. I mean, it's a department store. It's well, it would be like going to Sears to buy your clothes. Mm. Oh, so this is just a, a scare tactic to make sure that poor people don't go to the store. <laughs> I see. It's like you're going down the chute, but I'm wealthy. (laughs) Sorry, Python daughter for you. (laughs) Hope you had a will. Um, Pete, that reminds me, and uh, maybe Tiffany can join in with her own urban legend, but uh, what you just told me and like how urban legends are sort of like these flexible and robust stories reminds me of a conversation that it's still every once in a while, it'll come back to me that I had with my, you know, my late mom and, um, person she got a master's degree you know super educated all that good stuff you know she didn't wasn't a particularly superstitious person wasn't religious you know that type of thing and uh but uh i remember we were talking about uh la llorona which in puerto rico is sort of like you know they have their own version which is a little bit like the the cemetery guest urban legend you know, okay. the one that they find hitchhiking along the side of the road. Uh, so anyway, the thing is that um, we're talking about that as a urban legend. And I was like trying – I think I was trying to make the point that, you know, that these are all stories that they're they're fluid. They come and go, you know, and, and after – you know, they'll go away for a while and come back. And, you know, I asked her like as a challenge, like – how you know? Since when have you heard uh, you know anyone talking about La Llorona? You know, in the last say five to ten years, and she's like, "Yeah, that's right." And without batting an eye, turns around and says, "Oh, but that's because they're um, they're doing construction on Highway Number Two, which is a east-west highway, so no one's seen her yet. You know, she's not going to show up while they're doing construction." <laughs> I was like, that's wonderful. I was just like, "I how do you how do you refute that?" She used story logic to just immediately tip over my my factual argument. There's like, okay, <laughs> you can't say that's not true. And I'll also, who wouldn't avoid construction? So yes, it's loud. It's very rational. Annoying. Also, very practical. Know. Urona. Yes. Yep. <laughs> But but you know it just sort of goes to the longevity of how these urban legends survive over time. You know mm-hmm. it's just sort of weird and. Anyway, yeah, 
Well, and, and like some of them, I, I almost want to write a book about all the urban legends and like try and get a taxonomy going. Obviously, we're not going to start this today, but I think about the ones that didn't last. Like, do you guys remember the poodle in the microwave? I do not. I okay, well, it's it's gross, but this this rich lady's poodle fell in the pool and she tried to dry it out in the microwave. Uh. And what... What this is really it, of course it's it's about rich people being dumbasses but it's also about fear of a new technology like mm-hmm. nobody's scared of a microwave now not to the same extent Right right yeah Well I, there's the 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 porch with the corpse in it I don't know the porch with a corpse in it Oh so okay so there's a a, a couple of different variants of this but um there's a one of the versions is this guy finds a, a listing in the in in the paper or whatever mm-hmm. and it's for a Porsche and it's like rock bottom price is like almost you know like he can't say no to this so he you know he drives out there in a the, in a rush and uh after a while he, you know he buys the car and after a while he notices that it smells awful inside and you know Cutting to the chase, basically, he goes back and tries to get a refund, and you know the the person who sold it to him said, "Oh, somebody died in it, and they didn't recover the body until you know weeks later." So, <laughs> you have something about uh, wealth or, or nouveau riche and aspirational, uh, ostent, you know, like uh, displays of ostentation uh, mixed together with uh, comeuppance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I it's. It's very – I wonder if urban legends are like Greek myths. Like it, it's just like the whole thing shifted lanes into another spot because like if you talk to me about what Ares did, I'm not going to give a crap anymore. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about like uh, having different canons and different versions. And I also – like I think there's a, a a huge amount of anxiety wrapped up into them as well. Um, I, I come from very middle-class, white, secular upbringing, so I don't have as much, um, you know, experience talking in a lot of these things as others might, but I can tell you since becoming a mother, there are just a lot of things that you do that, you know, logically don't make sense, but you do them anyway, because what you're trying to protect is so precious to you. And so like, if I don't know the full um, background on La Llorona, um, but I know like she wails by a river and like the, uh, from what I've heard uh, before, she wails by wi- a river and she'll lure children out or things like that. And so one, it's a way to scare children to stay in there. If, if, unless I'm way off base here. Am I off base? Uh, no, no. I think you're, you're onto something because it, it, th- that's the thing. A lot of these stories have multiple angles. Uh, so La Llorona, um, the version that I know is, uh, and I'm a little rusty on this myself. If I'm not mistaken, she was a, uh, generally speaking, a tragic figure because she's a, a, a woman who became pregnant, had children, and I'm not entirely sure how, but through her action or inaction, uh, her children drowned. And yeah. the, that's why you find her by bodies of water crying. Um so on the one hand, you're you have the the admonishment towards being a good parent and watching your children. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the uh, variants have her uh, becoming enamored of perhaps a soldier or something. Yes, you know, there's some other angle to this, and she's too busy paying attention to her you know her paramour instead of her children. So there's that, and then of course you know just. The general for the level of children, don't go outside because there's another boogie person that's going to get you. Tiffany, I just had a mental tie back to an earlier point in the conversation. She's a siren, isn't she? (laughs) Who, La Llorona? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. (laughs) Potentially, yeah. I I I could see that. Yeah, I just think that there's – I. Uh, have always been kind of a brat when it comes to certain spiritual things. That has been very hard for me to connect with. Um, and it probably has a lot to do with my upbringing. But I will tell you, 
once I became a mom, especially, and it's different for everyone, obviously, but I just found myself doing all sorts of things to, to just, you know, hedge my bets, make sure my kids are okay. So if that means, you know, if they, you know, if I got to say a little whatever to keep them, you know, go up and just check on them, make sure they're breathing, all this kind of stuff put good mental energy into the world so they have a good day for school and all that kind of stuff. There's just a lot of things that a previous me couldn't reconcile, but I can do now because what's on the line is the most precious thing in the world. And I can see how urban legends like that could persist because you're just so desperate against all odds to keep your family safe. And I don't know, that's kind of an interesting, I'm very interesting. Everyone, no, <laughs> very, very pleased with myself. <laughs> so, uh, without pointing to a specific locale, in the general area you seem to be in, there is something that sort of terrifies me, and I don't know a lot about it. Uh, like, does your area have valley fever? Yes. That thing just freaks me out. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I've known a couple people who've gotten it. It's pretty nasty. Okay, so what is Valley Fever? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an illness that you'll get. It's airborne, and um, I think it starts like uh, when you dig up earth, dig up the ground. It'll like float into the air. I could. It's be, like a uh, fungal bloom. I think. yes. And it gets into your lungs, and it is just kind of the nastiest kind of flu you could get. I mean, I you know, I don't know how it compares to COVID or anything, but uh, yeah, it's pretty bad, and it can lay you up for months. It's like fungus growing in your lungs until it gets out. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. More I mean, uh, I'm also thinking of uh, weirdly in D and D terms. I was like, "Oh, so that's that." Uh, you know, like what is it? The yellow yellow mold or whatever. Oh, nice. I w- I was thinking of there was that that video game, The Last of Us, where everybody was turning into fungus zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also the uh, what is it? The X Files uh, episode where they they find a human cordyceps fungi. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That that was creepy. I mean, cordyceps in general just freaks me out. So any fungal sort of infection or anything like that just makes me think, hmm. Yes, I'm I am with you on that. Uh it's a kind of a running gag here that I you know, where I live it's a very dry place and uh I am absolutely paranoid about black mold in my house. Just just extreme levels of paranoid. And uh, my family is kind of like, you know, you can dial it back. You know, you have other things you can worry about. And I'm like, no, have you heard of black mold? So I'm with like, you. I will yeah, I- burn down my house to prevent black mold. <laughs> yes. I mean, to be honest with you, like I, I Wikipedia'd black mold in re- doing some research one day. And I'm like, oh, I, yeah. I have seen black mold before, and I will not suffer it any time after that. You know, so anyway, yeah, it, it's bad stuff. Yeah. So, you know, there's something we're supposed to be doing on this show, and we're really <laughs> not. And that, You mean talk, that is, talking about Tiffany's stuff? Yes, yes. I mean, I'm having a great time. Don't get me wrong. But it, it just seems sort of unfair to drag Tiffany on here and talk about, about uh, like, mold lung and stuff <laughs> hey i'm always on board to talk about my like neurotic behavior so being all afraid right. of mold is one of them excellent <laughs> all right so anyway so um was there any so you said uh jaws was like one of your early ones are there any inspirations that you've used recently in in your work i don't know i would say a lot more of my inspirations as far as what turns into actual stories come from the people around me more so than like movies that I watch. I mean, and you know, obviously I do glean all sorts of things from the media and the books and everything that I consume, but 
I would say the the little the little gems that um, that everything grows from usually start with the people around me or something that happened to me. Like with a flood of posies, for example, we had a horrible, horrible storm uh, in Phoenix in like 2010, I think. Um, and it, it poured, poured rain and it hailed big golf ball size hail. And we don't get weather like that as often as other places in the world. So naturally, this was just breaking news. Um, and uh, when I was at work, when this happened, uh, we didn't have any gutters over our back door at our office. And it was raining so hard that it was coming through the top of the door and raining like a waterfall on the inside of the office. And it was just the wildest thing I ever saw. And I recorded it with my old razor phone and I have since lost that recording, (laughs) but uh, it was just the craziest thing I ever saw. And that's kind of how I started thinking about a flood of posies initially was like, what if it started raining and it never stopped? What would I do? And boop, there it came. Cool. All right. And um, can can we talk a little more about a flood of posies? I mean, no, uh, we, I know we'll get to like where people can buy it and that sort of thing. Uh, when the, when is the scheduled release? It's actually February 9th, twenty twenty one. It was pushed back from September due to COVID excitement. So, <laughs> so uh, at the risk of understatement, that's got to be driving you nuts. Yes, it's. <laughs> It's, it's been a bummer for sure, but it was done for all the right reasons, so I can't really complain. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Is it? Go ahead, Carlos. Sorry. No, no. Go, go, go on ahead. I, I was just agreeing. Oh well, I um, I do not remember where I saw this and where I got it, but I was under the impression that this is eventually going to be part of a, a series or related books. Is that correct? Not at this time. I tend to like to write standalone and actually read standalone books. I don't get into too many series. I get bored, (laughs) even with my own stuff. I'm like, I'm done with you. (laughs) Well, series often feel like a marketing ploy. I mean, before before the economic need to build off an existing property was really like cemented in the publisher's mind, it didn't feel like there were that many series, unless you're talking about, you know, uh, 40 Raymond Chandler novels. (laughs) Yeah, I am not a big series reader. Uh, at all um i mean there are a few like i just finished the um city of brass uh the series i I just finished i I know which one you talk about and i really really liked it um a lot uh yeah first it just gripped me and i thought the world was so fascinating that i didn't mind just kind of staying there for a while so uh it otherwise i tend to i don't know just fizzle out my interest does. And there's just so much out there to read and there's so much out there to see that it's like, you really have to be spectacular for me to want to spend that much time in your one world. Yeah. Well, I remember growing up, I would read the same book six or seven or 10 times. And like I, now I don't know how much of that was, just the lack of the genre books I was looking for in general and how much of that was just I was a kid and nobody was going to get me any more damn books because I read them too fast. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I have never been a big book rereader either. Um, Even as a kid, I did do it. I mean, hell yeah, I started with Goosebumps and I (laughs) probably read all of those three or four times on their own just because I was obsessed so there you go another reason i like monsters so much i came from beneath the sink um (laughs) but uh yeah i get i've read it i really don't see any reason to return to it when there's just so much more out there for me it's like every day i'm inundated with 30 books that i'm like wow i didn't know that existed i want to read that yesterday (laughs) um like every other writer so my to be read pile is like about to crush me but i keep buying books so i don't know i just have a hard time returning to something where i already know it's going to happen i just am craving something new but that said when it comes to my tv watching 
uh, habits. I watch pretty much the same five television shows on varying levels of repeat just (laughs) because, you know, it's like I have it on in the background while I do dishes or whatever. Um, So I don't watch any new TV shows usually, and that infuriates my family. But I, I don't know that we can just drop it there. Like, could, <laughs> could you talk about what shows these are? <laughs> uh, Frasier. Okay. Oh, I, I love Frasier so much. I, um, I now know you have a Twitter account. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frasier, um, The Office, Parks and Rec. Um, what's another one that I watch a lot? I'm trying to think. Those are my general go-tos. This is so funny because I go the opposite way. Like I just dug up this Russian series called The Day After, which is sort of like uh, it, you know that 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 sh- the real world where they have all the people in the house. Uh-huh. It's like that, except outside the house, there's a plague killing everybody, and they can't leave. That's amazing. Yeah. And what I just, a concept. <laughs> it's really cool. And I love finding these little things that like they probably aren't going to exist in a year because I well, I, I don't know if that's true anymore, but that was definitely my feel in the nineties. Like if I was watching a show and I turned my back and it wasn't like the big show, it would be gone forever. Mm. And <laughs> I love digging that weird crap up. That's such a good concept too. I, love I really it. like it. Well, and and like Russian series, like they do sci-fi horror really well because like everybody dies, right? Yeah. It's it's a question of how you go out. Like, do you end up looking stupid or is the audience sad afterwards? Like, that's <laughs> your choice. Yeah, I just watched that. Um, gosh, what was it called? Sputnik. As a Russian yeah. horror that came out. I haven't seen it yet. Should I? I think it's worth a watch. I mean, you're not going to walk away just thinking that it blew your mind or revolutionized the, you know, horror genre, but it was a good watch and it had a pretty awesome uh alien concept and uh I love alien stories, so I was on board right from the start. Let's let's talk influences. We haven't really done that. Um, are there are there authors like I, I I'm not saying that you model yourself of uh, after other authors because it's very clear you're on your own path here. But are there uh, authors that you look at and you say you know part of this is mine too, and I'm going to go with that? Is there that connection with certain writers? Um, I would say I have that connection like in little ways with lots of. Lots of writers. Um, I don't know. It's really hard for me to pinpoint the ones that I do that the most with. I would say one of the most influential writers to my writing was R.L. Stein. I read Goosebumps just obsessively. I loved, loved, loved Goosebumps. Um, as an adult, I read a lot of um, space opera. One of my favorite series is um, The Lightless Trilogy, another trilogy I really loved. Um by uh, C.A. Higgins. Loved it. It was fascinating. Um, It had sentient AI. It had all sorts of, you know, love triangles and all sorts of stuff. It was amazing. And just, it was about war and the effects of war and how it tears everything apart. It was a phenomenal trilogy. Um, I don't know. And I, I guess I would say some of my snark is a little bit Pratchett-esque, not so much in A Flood of Posies, you don't really see that, but in uh, in another work, uh, I modeled one of my characters very heavily on his character of death. Um, nice. So all caps. Yes, and they actually do speak in all caps. <laughs> I do. Wonderful. I went all the way with it. Um, but uh, I don't know. I can't really say that there's any one. I, would, I really got into writing, like seriously writing, because as a kid, I love to write in my journals and which I still have and they are so cringy but uh I would write little stories and little characters and all this kind of stuff but it was playing video games was a huge influence for me too and that's actually what made me start writing my first novel was video games which which video game Xenosaga not many were Xenosaga, as- this is the one with the giant mechs right yeah there were Xenogears 
which came first, and uh-huh. that came out on the PS1. And then there was Xenosaga, uh, which came out on the PS2. And it was kind of in the same, it was in the same universe, and it was kind of like a sister story to it, almost. It it wasn't in, like, any linear timeline with it, at least none that they confirmed. But I was, that and Legend of Zelda, I was absolutely obsessed with them, and the storytelling aspects of those. And I remember thinking, I love this one character in Xenosaga so much, her name is Cosmos, she's an android, and she's awesome. Um... And she kicks a lot of ass and she has, she's awesome. Anyway, I kept thinking, I want to write something that other people may like as much as I like this. And that was what made me sit down and write. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I it's, I, I love talking to authors because when, when you ask questions like this, um, you you don't get the same answers. Like all of you guys are on your own paths, doing something weird and poking around. And I I just think it's really cool that you've got the influences you've had, and you're like you're about to get published. Like I'm 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 really excited about this. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> probably more than I am, but still, yeah. it's cool. Yeah, I've been I been writing now like seriously like going i'm gonna write a novel uh for about 14 15 years so it's if for a long time it's been oh you're still at the writing thing cute can i read anything and you're like no you can't <laughs> sorry it's been 10 years but no um so it's kind of nice to actually be like go to my website i have things you can read now <laughs> if you care yeah, just just be like when somebody else, can I read something of yours? Just like slam down a book, or just turn around, <laughs> grab gonna... a book, and slam it down. How about this fucker? Yeah. <laughs> well, I got the big mom purse because you got to fit all that shit in there. Oh, there you, know? you go. So you just, I'll just keep one of my books in there and be like, right here, bitch. There it is. <laughs> so do you think King walks around with a wheelbarrow? <laughs> he's got he's got like a U-Haul that just goes with I, him everywhere. I mean, given given the man's almost pathological need to be writing at all times, I, yeah. I am not surprised if you met him and he's just like twitchy and asks for a pen <laughs> and starts writing on you and the the wall next to him and you know, like he's got he's got like a curse. He needs to write all the time. Yeah, I yeah. don't understand that. I mean, I know he did a lot of coke in the early days, but. Well, I, so are you guys familiar with the concept of fuck you dollar? Uh, no. Okay. So everyone, everybody in capitalism anyway, there is a dollar amount which you could hand them at which point they say fuck you and stop doing what they're supposed to do and start doing what they want to do with their life. Ah. Mm, okay. Gotcha. And yeah. it is impossible to me that Stephen King has not hit fuck you dollar. <laughs> Like, I, I don't even like he. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He just needs to keep throwing up books where the town blows up at the end. It, it's Maine. like, yes, in Maine, it, it's like speed. If he stops writing, the pen blows up. <laughs> He's like a shark. If he stops writing, he dies. Yeah, there well, you go. Did you ever and, and maybe this will derail things for a second. But did you, any of you ever read his novella? The Ballad of this Flexible Bullet? No. I I I did, and as a non-writer, I would like to say, what the fuck? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I feel like that's him sort of perhaps even <laughs> trying to come clean with his audience and going like, this is what I got, guys. There's an evil elf in my fucking typewriter, and if I don't type, <laughs> he'll kill me or some shit like that. But he can't tell the truth because no one will believe him. <laughs> right, right. I mean, well, he he could write all about the fornits that live in his uh, typewriter. But, can't believe uh, you remembered yeah. what they were called. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. It, that story, I, I have yet to reread it, but that story has stuck with me because of just how bizarre and just banana pants it is. Like, I think that the issue that I have is that the, the writer was crazy like legit i'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be insensitive here he oh, was yeah. actually out of his mind and the editor as he's trying to convince him and visits his place starts catching 
the same madness. And you're like, oh, this is not good. That okay. sounds fascinating. Let, let's let I, I want to do a whip round here. I'm not asking for money, but um, I'd like everybody to mention a short story that they read that to this day at the right moment gives them the creeps. Uh, for me, it's Lovecraft's Haunter of the Dark. Okay. Like, if the lights go out, I immediately think of that story. Even though I know the darkness is not going to eat me alive, it crosses my mind. <laughs> Can mine nice. be a movie? Yes, go for it. absolutely. Uh, mine, it, it's going to sound so stupid, but um, I've it's the uh, the little kid from The Grudge, the little boy, Toshio. <laughs> I swear, 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 swear for you fucking years i could not get up and like pee at night in the dark like you know 2 a.m or whatever without imagining that little shit sitting behind my shower curtain and meowing at me just forever and i would have to open the shower curtain and be like all right we're good (laughs) i honestly like i came out of that movie just marveling at how how menacing and scary and creepy they made a sound that I used to make to freak out, to, to basically piss off my sister yeah. when we were driving to school. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, it's like I have been forbidden. It's a marital condition that I cannot make that noise. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, it, I it's... love that movie. I love the originals, uh, Juan. And I love yes. uh, the original, uh, the first Grudge remake. I thought they were awesome. They were creepy. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I've had people take issue with uh, Toshio, the, the boy. Like, oh, he makes cat noises. And I'm like, I'm sorry, he stuck with me for some reason. Yeah. And he was creepy as hell. And I could not get him out of my head. So I know this is, <laughs> we're supposed to be talking about writing, but that was the thing that, like, scarred me. The Ring for and Ringu reason. for me, too. Oh, that was a great movie. Such a good movie. Um, you know, I am... Shit, I am so torn. I was going to say, like, Silent Hill, but not just, like, the first, the first one, and not just any part. I definitely remember, I, at the time the person I was with at the time was playing and I think I sort of zoned out and looked and it's the part in the school where the little shadows of the children just sort of like run around and follow you and fall over. And they're, they're not monsters. They can't do anything to you, but that just creep. Like, I remember I came fully awake, like in a panic, like, what's that? (laughs) Silent Hill had a great way of doing that. I I tried playing Silent Hill four because I was feeling brave, and there's uh, it's a totally different dynamic playing a scary game than watching a scary movie because you're like, uh, yeah, I'm not going through that door. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, that's fun. But uh, in Silent Hill four, they have the one uh, chick with the long hair, another grudge like thing, and she mm-hmm. would crawl really fast at you on the ground. And I remember I played the game up until I met her, and I basically threw the controller and said, nope, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> but you won't finish the game. That's the end of the game for me. Yep. I lost. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, Silent Hill is great for that. Um, anyway, yeah. I-, I was also torn with that or the... Um, Sort of like the 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 dad who gets uh, obsessed with spirals in Uzumaki, the Junji Ito comic. Ah, uh, yeah, you, you got me, man. Because as soon as you said guy who's expe- ex- obsessed with spirals, I thought of the movie Dark City. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, for those of you who do not know, Uzumaki is a manga uh, drawn by and and written by a. A fabulous man called uh, Junji Ito, who is apparently a super chill dude. He's just like super cheerful and everything like that. And he produces the most grotesque, amazing horror comics. And Uzumaki is all about a town 
that is in fact haunted by spirals. Hmm. And so it's sort of a series of different comics semi-tied together, um, you know, centered around the same town and how it slowly, like the spirals start just manifesting in different ways and just fucking things up. Like spirals are Cthulian monsters in Uzumaki. Hmm. I've never read that. So I think this might be the point where we turn to Tiffany and say, Hey, Tiffany, um, uh, if our listeners want to, uh, buy and read more of your stuff, how shall they go about doing that? Uh, well, you can go to my website, which is tiffanymaret.com and last name is M-E-U-R-E-T and uh, I have it all listed there. The books are available wherever books are sold pretty much and my short stories are listed there and hyperlinked and you can find it all there. Okay. And uh, Flood of Posies, let's say I want to pre-order it. Uh, could I do that on your website? Uh, yeah, I have the links there. I'm also going to be doing, um, I think I'm going to launch it next week. We're just kind of playing a little loosey-goosey here with my deadlines. But um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to have a pre-order campaign. I got uh, some custom stickers and bookmarks that were actually art done by my niece, uh, who is a phenomenal artist. Uh, so we kind of have this little anti-niece venture going on here. And so I'm going to have that and I'll have a page set up where you can show your proof of pre-order and I will mail you out some of my cool stuff. Very cool. Awesome. Um, Carlo, anything you want to add? I am. I think that's fine. Do, uh, are there any um, any place like if someone wanted to follow your follow you on online, where could they find you? Twitter is the best place. Uh, I pretty much that's where all my social media presence is. Is Twitter? So, Timoret okay. Books is my handle. We are Excellent. all trapped on Twitter. Yes, we are. <laughs> All right. Well, um, anything else that you wanted to add, Tiffany? No. I kind of liked the chill, gabbing, you know, aspect of this. It was fun. Good. All right. Good. I, I had fun, too. Thank you so much for coming on here, Tiffany. This has been great. Well, thank you for having me. I I feel very honored, and I was felt very special. And I got to tell everyone today, I'm being interviewed for a podcast. So, you know, <laughs> leave me alone between the hours of four and five. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, everybody. Um, well, I guess uh, we'll, uh, you'll hear from us in a few days. Uh, again, uh, go to Tiffany's website and buy her stuff. And uh, thanks for listening.